Welcome to the Classic City Church Podcast. For up-to-date information and ways to get involved, please visit us at classiccity.org. Good morning. Great to see you all. I hope you are having a splendid morning. Thank you uh, so much for coming today. Uh, If you have a Bible with you, if you would, turn to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. The book of Ephesians. We're going to look at chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. Chapter 2. You know, the resurrection of Jesus is a epical historical event. It's the event upon which the Christian religion is based. Christianity is the only religion that emerged from a historical event. Now, Christianity has teachings, it has doctrine, it has theology, but Christianity happened because of an event that happened in history, Jesus' resurrection. Several years ago, there was a a young man named Lee Strobel, and he was, had gone to Yale Law School. Was right, he was, had become a newspaper reporter. He had risen up, and he was the legal editor for the Chicago Tribune. He had a great job. He was doing well, married, and his wife became a Christian. And it really upset him because he had ideas about Christians that were not great. And so he would go back and forth with her, but she persisted in her Christianity. He was kind of upset about it. And one day he was talking to one of his colleagues at the paper who was a Christian, and the guy said, hey, why don't you research it? Why don't you research the resurrection and see for yourself if it's true or not? So he did. He said, well, I'll just disprove this myth. He went out and he began to research and research and research. And after a year of hard research, he concluded that he's, he's, he, just, he literally says this in his book, his atheism crumbled under the weight of evidence that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And so as Christians, we believe that. We believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah written about in the Old Testament. We understand when we read in the Old Testament, like the book of Isaiah that was written 750 years before Christ, about a servant who is coming to suffer and go through a grueling experience bearing the sins of the people. We read it in Isaiah 52 and 53. And then we read in verse 11 that after he has experienced his sufferings, he will once again see the light of life. And because of his sacrifice, he will justify and cleanse many. We, we see that fulfilled in Christ that he was suffering for our sins on the cross, that he saw the light of life again, he was resurrected. And because of that event, literally billions have had their life changed, have had their life transformed by him. So the resurrection, the actual historical resurrection, is a critical, crucial part of Christianity. But there's something else about the resurrection, a different resurrection, that is also a crucial part of Christianity. And it's not just the historical, epical event of the resurrection, but it is individual 
people experiencing the power of that resurrection. When we were going through our, my wife was reading our inspiration passage. It's a prayer Paul prayed from the book of Ephesians chapter 1. And in that prayer he prays and he's praying to Christians and he's telling these Christians, early Christians in the early part of Christianity, he's going, I pray, the, he clearly calls it, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. You would see something that you're probably not seeing. And he talks about what he wants them to see. He says, you know, look, I want you to see God's hope for you, what God wants to see come out of your life. I want you to see what God's invested in you and the, the, the care he has for you. But then he also prays a third thing, and I want you to see the surpassing greatness of his power toward you as a believer. And then he goes on and he elaborates what he means by that. He goes, you know, look, this power is the same power God exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead. And that's a pretty remarkable thing he's telling them. He's saying, as a Christian, I want you to see that the power that raised Jesus from the dead has resurrected you. And my question to you today is, do you see that in yourself? Do you see yourself as somebody who, just like Christ, has been resurrected? In other words, is this epical event in history, is it the epical event in your history? Christianity is a religion of truth based on this historical fact, but it spreads and it affects people when this this other truth, this complementary truth happens. It's when human beings experience the power of Christ's resurrection within them. And so as Paul continues this thought, and we look at chapter 2, uh, the, the next page, let me read uh, to you how he continues this thought. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 1. He says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts, and like the rest, we were deserving of wrath. Now what he does, he describes the human spirit, the human condition, when he says in that beginning verse 1, you were dead. You were dead, and he talks about how we're dead, in our transgressions and our sins. Now the word transgression literally means, it all it means is to cross a boundary, it means to go someplace you should not go. That's what a transgression is. Just you go someplace you should not go. The word sin, we hear it a lot, we use it a lot, but the word sin, actually what it means is to miss the mark. It literally has the picture of an archer trying to hit a target, and he misses the bullseye. He just misses the mark. And sin is kind of an interesting word because, you know, you don't try to miss the mark. You know, if you're playing basketball and you're shooting a free throw or you're taking a shot, you're not trying to miss. But missing 
makes you face something about yourself. And this is what he's saying spiritual death is. It's, it's, you can see it in two things. One, just, we just go places we shouldn't go. But also, even when we try, even when we're trying to hit the target, we just miss. And he says, you're dead. Trespasses and sins. And he goes on and he describes sort of the human condition. And he says there's three things that are working there. One is that we are controlled by the course of this world. The course of this world. It just means whatever the world says, whatever the crowd says, we're just following along. We're just going along with the crowd. That's kind of our moral compass is what's going on around us. We see this really illustrated in the trial of Jesus in a, in a person that was involved in the trial named Pontius Pilate. Pilate was a judge. He was uh, the, the procurer over Judea. He was supposed to do and make just decisions. He knew Jesus was innocent. But the crowd drowned him out. He literally could not do what he knew was right because of his fear of the crowd. There's a real ironic conversation that Jesus and Pilate have as he's sort of manifesting this inability to break free from the crowd. And he asks Jesus this question. He says, what is truth? What is truth? It's a real powerful question to ask. Is truth what is the loudest noise and voice in our culture, in our society? Or is truth coming from above? Is it something we discover? Is it something God's given us? What is truth? Following the course of this world. He talks about how there's a spiritual dynamic. There's actually spiritual evil that is influencing our behavior. And the third thing he talks about is it's the, the lusts, the desires, the cravings of our own flesh. And a human being that is spiritually dead, we are literally like a puppet with strings. One of those strings is the crowd. One of those strings is the culture. One of those strings is real spiritual evil. We're led about. And one of those strings is our own carnal desires. We just lie to ourselves. We do what we want to do. We gratify ourselves. And this is what it means to be spiritually dead. It is a, being a puppet that is controlled and manipulated by those three chords. Spiritual death. Now we go forward here, and let's read the rest of this. In verse 4, Paul says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now the whole thing changes. We look and we are, human beings are described as a spiritually dead puppet. But he says something happens. God makes you alive. And he raises you up. He resurrects us. Makes us alive. There's something powerful that happens in the soul of a human being 
when they return from their sins and they receive Christ as Lord. They are resurrected. They are brought back to life. They come alive. They come alive. And they're able to be and do what God wants them to be and do. You know, when we look in the Bible and we look at how Paul talked about this experience of an inner resurrection, this experience of, of God's life and God's power coming into the human soul. He uses it a couple of ways in his own life. As he's been talking to Christians, he talks about the resurrection in, in Matthew and excuse me, in Romans and other places. And he says this thing. He talks about our battle with sin. He talks about trying to overcome temptation. And he says something powerful. He says, don't let sin rule your life. Don't let sin be your master. Don't let sin be your boss. See, so many times we feel we're just a vulnerable, helpless victim. We can't do anything. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. You are a resurrected man or woman. You're flawed and you'll fall. I understand that. But don't let sin run your life. Don't let it be the boss. Don't let it take you over. Remember years ago when I was an eighth grader at Clark Middle School. I was in a math class, and my real good friend of mine, Doug Young, Doug lived about four houses down. We grew up, Doug had a pool table, so we played pool all the time and shot ball and everything. And, and Doug would come into this math class every day. We had a, that, that year we had the first quarter, we were on quarters back then, we had a math and then we had science and then math and and my science teacher was, was a, was, he's back in the back, Ernest Hardaway. Brother Ernest, raise your hand back there. They know who you are. Ernest Hardaway. And, and, and I had him that, that first, but in the second quarter, for some reason, they wanted to rotate the science teachers. So every science teacher had a class for three weeks, and we went to the next, went to the next. And Doug was in math after his first science class, and there was a first-year teacher and the class was just running over him. He said, oh, man, you wouldn't believe it. And the, the teacher would get mad and kick things and yell and scream, but the class would just laugh and pour it on. Doug couldn't learn anything in class. He just thought it's horrible how these kids are treating this. He just said, our class is terrible. Our class is awful. And he went on and on. Every day, Doug would come in and tell me how bad his class was and how it just bothered him and hurt him. But we switched teachers a few weeks later. And my teacher became their teacher. My teacher scares me to this day. <laughs> he really does. I get jittery. Mr. Hardaway walked into that class, and Doug came into math the first day and said, Oh, my goodness, you won't believe what Mr. Hardaway did. I said, yes, I do. <laughs> he said, when everybody was walking in, he told everybody, shut up, stop talking. He pointed to every student and said, you sit here. What's your name? He wrote it down. Don't say a word. Who are you? He, every single kid. And he said, when everybody finally sat down, he said, nobody talk. Don't you dare talk. He said he walked back to the blackboard got a huge yardstick, and slammed it on his desk. 
And he says, I hope you try to do me like you did that other teacher. <laughs> and everybody, like, everybody was terrified. They were like, oh, gosh. You see, if you're a grown man, you don't let 13-year-olds run your classroom. And if you're a resurrected man or woman, you don't let sin run your life. You don't do it. The other way Paul talks about the resurrection, he talks about his own troubles, his own trials. Talks about everything he went through. Talks about how he was opposed, how he went through this, how he had lack, how he had all these things fighting against him. And he would say, you know what, all these things should be shaping me in this way, in this direction. But you know, they don't. Because I'm resurrected on the inside. And I can be pressed down, but I'm not going to give up. I can, be, I can go through this. I can go through that. But I am not going to collapse no matter what I go through in life because I've been resurrected on the inside and I know it. I know it. I know it. As we talk, we look at the book of Acts and we see how the early preachers preached about the resurrection. There's a story, and it's in Acts chapter 8. There's one of these young preachers. There's a guy named Stephen. He's preaching a sermon about the resurrection. And he compares it to two stories that are in the Old Testament. One is a story of Moses. Moses, of course, was a, was a young man, was a Jew, but he was somehow brought into the an Egyptian household, he was raised in incredible privilege. And at 40 years old, he tried to take matters into his own hand. He actually killed a man. And when they found out about it, he ran for his life, and he stayed 40 years in the desert. He was a, two-thirds of his life was extended. I thought it was over. He had made a mistake. He was too old. Just a cow out to pasture. But God appeared to him. And God resurrected his purpose for his life. God resurrected what he wanted to do for him. And he did it through him in a remarkable way. You know, another st story that Stephen talks about to illustrate the resurrection is the story of Joseph in the Bible. Joseph, again, went through horrible abuse. He went through horrible situations. He was treated unjustly over and over and over again. But the resurrecting God had his hand on Joseph and brought him out of a dungeon, brought him out of a deep place, and put him in a place of prominence, and he actually fulfilled his purpose and his dream for Joseph's life. Because we serve a resurrecting God. I want to ask you something today. Are you resurrected? Is the power that raised Jesus from the dead directing your life? Are you aware? Are you clear, Christian, that this is for you, that this is yours? Are you understanding it? Are you aware of it? Well, this is Paul's prayer. This is what Paul's talking about. 
This is what it means to be resurrected. And I want to encourage you today. Make this epical event in history, the resurrection of Jesus, the epical event in your history. Make it the turning point. Make it the explanation for how you can overcome what you overcome, how you live the way you live, how you handle life the way you handle life. Believe in the resurrection of Jesus 2,000 years ago and believe in the resurrection that's happened within when you received him as Lord and Savior. Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible day. We thank you for the incredible event. Jesus Christ, your Son, spoken of in the Old Testament, manifested in the flesh, crucified on a cross, raised to life again, gathering the world into his kingdom in spectacular fashion. Father, help us to see what Paul prays here. See the resurrection. See the power that raised Jesus from the dead, raising us up, making us conquerors in life, making us triumphant in life, God. Help us to believe in that. Help us to make it ours. Help us to make his victory over death. Let it be our victory over spiritual death, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.